Good morning. Are you well? Yeah, not quite so sure. So here's the title of today's talk. Let's put it up, Jonathan. Thank you. Look and see the future is being born. Look and see the future is being born. Or in brackets, it's okay. God has got it. Okay? Because we are new season, uh, literally autumn. And it's a time of year where lots of things are kicking off and, and starting, aren't they? So uh, maybe you've got little ones going to school. Here was Nikki and I the other day, just very recently, <laughs> taking our children to school, as you can see. I was a little slimmer then, it is true. Um, but uh, yeah, maybe that's what's going on for you. You're starting, you've got kids starting school or, uh, you know, that shift from primary school to secondary school is, is a massive one, isn't it? It's a real change or going to, to, to uni children in that. Um, or you don't have children, but you're, you're starting a new job or you're, you've decided to go to the gym or you've, you know, it's, it's a new season or you're a grandparent for the first time. Or, or maybe you're into a season where you're having to care for uh, parents in a, in, a, in a different way. You may be in that, in that group which is so often squeezed in our, our culture and society between looking after grandchildren but also looking after parents as well. There could be all kinds of reasons why this is a, a new start for you, a new season. As it is, of course, a little bit for us as a, as a church family. We've gone through some further transitions and some further, further changes uh, maybe you're needing to be inspired with the sense of God's got it uh, by what's going on nationally at the moment. Um, yeah, it's not at all easy, is it? It really isn't easy in our nation at this time knowing how to navigate. We will be completely you know, divided in this room, I'm sure, in a sense of what might be the solution. But I know we will be united in this room, in desperately desiring that division does not rule, that, that hurt and anger does, does not rule. You know, to have a situation where members of our police service are being attacked in front of Parliament Square or whatever it might be, wherever we are on that divide, however we voted, I know we would be both a little bit fearful, I'm sure, a little bit concerned, I'm certain, as well as hoping and praying for, for change. And as, as I've said, as a, as a church family, welcome if you're new to us, if you're having a look at us. And, but if you've been here a while, you know we're on a bit of a journey to uh, the picture I've used before is the picture of the wild salmon. And uh, it was a picture that was given to me by God just before I was interviewed to, to, for the, the role, the post of, of lead pastor of this church. And in the night, the Lord woke me up with this picture uh, of the wild salmon. And it was something around this wonderful, amazing church truly expressing itself as, as a wild salmon, not a, not a farmed Salmon, and, and no criticism intended of anything from the past, as I'm going to make very clear as I speak. But, but God's calling forward, God's calling to be like that wild salmon that, that is, is, is free moving. For us to be a mission movement, a movement of people on mission. You are all, we're all on mission 
And, and this church, your church's purpose in all of the structure, in all of the bits, in all of the staff team, in, in having a lead pastor is, is to provide the resourcing so that we can gather as we're doing now, as we can worship, as we can be resourced in prayer and teaching. But our mission is to equip you for mission. I've shared, I've shared before once or twice that when I got called into ordained ministry, I, I, I started having a, a conversation with God, which frankly I've continued over the last 20 years about why. Why? I mean, not only because of my obvious weaknesses and you know, inappropriateness to ever be called to full-time ministry, but also because I was really cross with God for taking me out of the real world. I assure you, those of us in full-time ministry are, of course, in the real world. But I was really cross with God that, that I wouldn't be going to work on a Monday morning. That's one of the, the biggest things I've found most difficult. Sometimes when younger people or older people come to me and say, oh, I'm filling a call into the church. I challenge them about if they recognize that being called into full-time ministry is actually being called into a really odd kind of state of being where your role becomes to equip everybody else who is out there on mission. My, my job is to serve you, to be the best you that you can be out on mission. You are the ministers of this church. You are the evangelists of this church. You are the, the, the ministers of reconciliation when you're at work, when you're at the school gate, when you're at Tesco's. It is all about you. It's about you. And, and, the, and the health of this church is around obedience to God and in being obedience to God in are we equipping the saints? Are we equipping you? And, and God spoke to me, and again, please don't hear any sense of criticism of the past. There may be critiquing but there is no intended criticism. God just spoke to me about this is who Trinity has been all, over all the years and is always called to be a mission movement. A mission movement, not an institution. Anyone who's been around this place for a while, anyone who's been praying into the life of this family for a while knows that. This is, this is nothing new. This is absolutely our DNA as a church family, served by all of the leaders in the past. But God just said something to me in a picture in the middle of the night before I had to get up and be interviewed by a very strange bunch of people. One or two here. was Andrew, Trinity is called to move swiftly. It's called to be sleek. It's called to, it's called to be ready to go. It's called to be ready to sacrifice. It's called to, to, to go wherever it needs to go. It's called to, to leap where others would not leap. It's called to flex its muscles, to strengthen itself, to be that wild salmon, to go and to lay great things, to lay eggs for the future, spawn for the future. Any of this will you know, resonate maybe or not. So are you like this as you face all of these things? You know, are you head in the sand? That's, that's the question. Show my picture. You know, is, is that, I think God's just asking, is that really a little bit how you feel about this stuff that's going on? 
are your head in the sand a bit? Or, or are you going to be head up? Are you going to be head up? And are you going to be seeing the future? Seeing the future coming into being. Isaiah 43, 18 to 19 is a bit of a, a go-to passage at seasons like this. Let's, uh, I'll just read it through from the screens for us. Uh, we'll read a few verses before and a few verses of Isaiah 16 to Isaiah 20, uh, 43, 16 to 21. So this is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honour me, says God. The jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people my chosen people I formed for myself that they may proclaim my praise. Sometimes this passage gets used a little bit like a, a silver lining packet passage, I think. Sometimes when Christians are going through difficult times, we just sort of kind of pick out one verse, particularly verse 19, about, you know, don't worry about what's going on now. Only look to the future in a kind of well-meaning way. But I want to use this passage because I, I think absolutely, if we look at what comes before and what comes after that key verse about seeing the new thing, then we'll see God's agenda for us at this time, in this season, when a world is in dispute and division about Brexit, when people are, are worried about the future, when you may have lots of things going on in your life. I think this passage speaks to us about who we're called to be individually and as a whole church family. And so I'm going to ask us to pray. I don't have a lot you'll be delighted to say, to know, to say this morning in terms of words, but I think the Lord really wants to do a lot in us this morning. So shall we pray together? Father God, we humbly come before you now. We confess. We confess that our vision our eyes are not always fixed on you. We 
we confess that we are tempted to put our faith in our own strengths. And we confess that we are tempted to live, to live without you as Lord of our lives. And so we humbly come before you as individuals and as a church family, hearing your command to see the new things. Holy Spirit, would you, in our weakness, work your strength? Holy Spirit, would you come to us now, please, and give each one of us a godly perspective on every question, every matter, every part of our lives so that we might truly praise you with the way that we live, the way that we walk. We need you, God. We need you, God. Holy Spirit, come. Please come. Have your way. Amen. I don't know, maybe you've been on the journey of faith, maybe you've been a follower of Jesus you know, not for very long, or, or maybe you're not even completely sure you are a follower of Jesus. Maybe, you, you know, I meet quite a few people who know about God, but don't feel they really personally know God. Well, I'm, I'm sure even perhaps for you, I'm, I'm sure, you know, when you look at the, the verses and you just hear what I've just read from you from Isaiah 43, perhaps you would immediately pick up some, some key marker things, some sort of kind of obvious things. I've got them on a, on a slide for us now. Some, some features that are implicit or explicit in, in that passage that I just read. The first is, and Tim was speaking so eloquently about this last week, that God's story is the center line of history. As a, as a person of faith, and especially in our culture, it's very easy to imagine, isn't it, and to think that our faith story, what we're even doing here as we gather, uh, you know, my prayers, it's easy to imagine that I'm over here on the side of the stage whilst, whilst history is running down the centre through other people and through other events. It could be easy in your workplace to imagine you're on the margin. It could be easy at the school gate to imagine because you're in a minority, you're in the margin. It could be easy in public discourse, public debate, anything. It could be easy to imagine that faith, your story with God, is somehow on the edge of the stage and not the centre of the stage. But the absolute presumption of Isaiah as he writes is that God's story is the center line of history. Whatever does or doesn't happen on the 31st of October, God's story is still the center line of history. 
Whatever does or doesn't happen in your family with that, that member of your family in their illness or in their despair or whatever happens to you in your, in your job appraisal or what, whatever happens, God's story is the center line of history. And everything else, everything else is going to align with God's story eventually completely and perfectly. That's a a conviction that underlines all of this. So that means that nothing surprises God. I wonder if you're like me. I've said this before as well. I sometimes listen to myself praying. It's a good thing to do occasionally, isn't it? Um, And I realize that I've just said to God, you know, I pray and then I'll stop. Please don't ever get the idea that ordained ministers are perfect intercessors and prayers. So much to learn, especially from the little group that's meeting on a nine o'clock on a Sunday morning now. Thank you so much. And they'd love others to join, by the way. But I, I, I hear myself pray and I suddenly think I've sounded like either I've given God a good idea. You know, I, my prayer effectively has been, God, you know this situation with Brexit. Have you thought if, you know, as if God's sort of sitting there kind of going, Oh, thank you. Oh, Andrew. Of course, yeah. Or the other one, which Pete Gregg, I think, has said, is it can sound like, you know, I'm saying my prayer can sound like, Lord, there's, God, there's lots of us down here who think this. And God's going, oh, okay, well, if you've got a majority, if you're the 52%, then I'm going this way. Nothing surprises God. Now, actually, of course, that makes, that makes doing this th- business of following God, following Jesus, a bit harder, doesn't it? Because actually, when we imagine that somehow this bit of news about someone getting cancer or this bit of news about what's going on in our, in our public life or this tragedy, or if we kind of imagine that God didn't know it was going to happen, if we kind of almost fool ourselves into that way of being, it can be a kind of way of coping with the question about, so why God haven't you done something about it? If you knew this was going to happen, why didn't you prevent it? Do you see how it's easier sometimes to be, in effect, a practical atheist? To live as if God wasn't God. As if this surprising news is also a surprise to him. It's easier to live with a sort of practical atheism, isn't it, sometimes to sort of kind of go, you imagine you and God are both sitting, you know, kind of on the edge, looking down, scratching your heads, going, yeah, I know. And God's kind of sitting beside you going, yeah, I know. Because it can take away from the challenge around God's timing and God's way God's will. So I find God's way, God's will, and God's timing really hard. But Isaiah is absolutely explicit in these circumstances. The presumption of of what he's writing about seeing the new thing is, 
not to pretend that there's anything easy about the current circumstances. In fact, when he's writing, the very beginning of Isaiah 43 talks about the people needing to fear not. Because Isaiah is saying, I know there's trouble coming. I know there's problems coming. And in this consequence, though, I'm still going to say to you, see the new thing. The second thing that that Isaiah is really getting at is that with God, unlike most investment products, past performance does guarantee future results. That's the second thing that's inherent in the verses that we've read. That how God has acted in the past is an absolute guarantee of how God will act in the future. That's the basis in which he says, see the new thing. Thirdly, if we just pop the slide up again, thank you, Jonathan, that practical dependence on God is the antidote to fear. I've already said, the passage is written that begins by God saying, do not fear. And how to navigate complexity. And finally, inherent in the passage is that hope is something concrete and real to be lived out. Now, there's an oddity with this passage. There's a real oddity because some of you may know that if you, again, if you read through, uh, before saying forget the former things and, and see the new thing, actually Isaiah reminds his reader, his listener, about all the amazing things that God has done in the past. He, he, he reminds him that, he says that you've got an assurance, as I've already said, because of how amazing God has been in the past. It's an assurance to know that God will lead you through the times of stress. stress. In, in verse 1, through the rushing waters and through the blazing flames. And and Isaiah reminds, God reminds his people through the very first part of the passage that he is the creator and he's also the one who forms. He creates and forms. So he doesn't create and then just send us off. He creates and lives in relationship with us. As we read in the passage, he reminds them about the Red Sea, the crossing of the Red Sea, when God took his people out of slavery in Egypt and led them to safety through the Red Sea. He reminds them of his salvation, that God has revealed himself, that he has saved them, and he's proclaimed his future. And then he says, forget it. Forget all of that. The greatest thing that has ever happened to you in your experience as my people, being saved and being taken through the Red Sea, forget it. If you just think about that a moment, he doesn't say, 
So remember that and keep on remembering that and and hold on to that. That will be enough for you to get through the times of trial and tribulation, through the, the rushing waters and through the flames. If you can just remember the greatest thing that I've ever done for you in the past, that will be enough to keep you going for the future. He doesn't say that. He says, see the new thing that I'm doing. It's a command. Look and see. Now the only explanation for that can be that the new thing is better. That even the greatest things that God has done, he's actually not saying, Isaiah is not saying, forget about it in the sense it didn't matter. He's not saying that. But in the way that he's writing, he's saying, even if you can take the greatest single thing that God has ever done for you, the new thing is going to be so much better, the old almost pales into comparison. Isn't that an extraordinary thing that God might be saying to us? If God is saying to us, friends, are you, are you being defined by your past rather than wisely informed by your past? If God might be saying that to us, Isn't that an amazing thing that he wants to say the new thing, the new thing is so good, so amazing that whatever you can imagine from the past, whatever you could bring to me as, as it's pale in comparison. I've had times in my life where I felt so close to God. I've seen him do the most extraordinary things. I've, I've had prayers that have been answered in the most dramatic ways. I have two daughters, I, I believe, directly as a result of prayer to God. And I think God is saying to me, Andrew, be informed by those things, but don't be defined by even those most amazing things. You know, do you remember a time when this building was full? Do you remember a time where we needed, you know, we want to be informed by what God has done in Trinity Cheltenham. We want to be informed by it. But we're not defined by it. And the new thing, the new thing that God is doing is so much better still. That's the message. God promises them that he will make a way in the wilderness. That's that's a way home to him. God promises them that he will bring water in the desert. That's imagery for spiritual rebirth. God promises them that the wild animals will even honor God, that every force, anything that you can imagine that might be trying to dominate your life and your thinking about the present and the future, God is in charge. God is working out his way. Of course, Isaiah, we need to really recognize, was pointing to Jesus. 
And we are to have our eyes fixed on Jesus. But in Jesus, in the coming of the kingdom, each one of our lives and any concern that we might have for the present and the future can be placed into God's hands and we can trust in him completely. And the new thing will be even better than the very best thing that you can imagine from the past. So secondly, are you seeing the future coming into being? It is a command from Isaiah. It actually literally, the, the, the wording means look. You have to look. See, I think the problem with the word see is that sometimes we kind of imagine, well, I'm sitting back and waiting to see. Whereas the command from Isaiah for us in a season when there's all this stuff going on and there's a season personally, a season for our nation and a season for our church is are you willing to actively look and see what God is doing? That's the second big question. Letting the the past inform but not define. Not letting the past or the present rob us of the future that God wants to bring into our lives. Sometimes fear, as this picture illustrates, is a good thing. Sometimes, you know, fear is helpful. It's an appropriate emotion to feel, to protect us. But are we governed by fear? The passage, as I said, begins with Isaiah saying, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I know what's coming, says God. I know the, the waters. I know the fire that's coming. But fear not. Do not be defined by fear. Isaiah was writing to God's people um, late 6th century BC. They'd been taken over by the Babylonians. Some of them were in exile in, in, in Babylonia and some of them were still in Jerusalem but under conquered rule. They were, they were under the oppression of what they imagined was the greatest power on earth, the Babylonian Empire. And in those circumstances, God says, are you being ruled by fear? Are you being defined by fear? Is fear robbing you of present joy and future joy? At New Wine this year, Jordan Seng gave a brilliant talk on this. He quoted 2 Corinthians, we'll put the verse up for us. I think this really just speaks so much to me. But does it speak to you, the second thing I want to really land with? But he, God, said to me, Paul writing, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me.
I think one of the greatest values we have as a church is to say, as someone anonymously once said, is come as you are, but don't stay as you are. Come as you are to God, but don't stay as you are. Isaiah says, forget the former things. Can you see, can you look and see the future being born? Then finally, he said at the end of those verses, didn't he? Proclaim my praise or walk with God is how I want to just land that with us thirdly and finally. Isaiah 43.10, he says to his people, you are my witnesses, my servant whom I've chosen. We are God's witnesses. We are the carriers of hope. And, and that's, that's this whole church family. That, as I've said, is each one of us in our daily, daily lives. Are we going to walk with God? I'll come back to that choice of phrase in a moment. But show my wild salmon again. Are we going to be uh, an institution? Are we going to be... Uh, a body of people who gather and, and serve our own interests? Are we going to put our time and our resources into what we have a sense of needing, into to building us up? Maybe thinking, well, if we could just get back to a position of strength, we might even use that language. If we, We've had lots of changes in our staff team. It must, be, you know, it must be a time just to consolidate. It must be, Andrew, you must be under pressure. Therefore, you know, maybe we should just hold in and rein in a bit. Maybe we should... Or are we going to say, no, God, we trust in you, in our weakness. In our weakness, you can be strong. You know, we're being called as a church to consider planting. Hang on a second, Andrew, we can't plant at the moment. We need to just make sure we, have we got enough people to send? What if another 50 people were to leave us? Don't you know there's some people who've left this church? What would happen if another 50 were to go? Our finances are very tight. Are you really saying that we ought to put into a budget some money to plant a new church in another place just at the time that maybe we might want to consolidate what we... In our weaknesses, God is strong. God's not calling us to fatten up as a salmon. He's actually calling us to get leaner and sleeker, to be a mission movement. Us, not me, not just us, to be us. He's calling us to be informed by the past, but not defined by the past. He's calling us to look and see the new thing that he's doing in us, individually and as a church family. He's calling us to be witnesses going to be sharing over the next few weeks. He's calling us to be all in with him. We're going to be sharing stuff around, uh, around how we're going to walk with God. We've got a whole series of resources that are coming under the heading of Walk With God. Tim's been working on those with Mike Fuller. And, and we're going to be in October talking about all the different ways that we might try and grow in our faith, in our disciplines, in our, in our loving God, all in with God. I'm excited about that. That's going to be really specific. Uh, all in with each other. We're talking about how we, we partner together in, in new ways. How we uh, are a, an, a, a mission culture 
where we empower and we send out and, and we celebrate. So that's part of what we're doing with remodeling our, our staff resources. That's why we've, some of the changes have been imposed on us, but other changes are ones we're choosing to model ourselves in terms of equipping and sending out. And all in for the world. Growing greener, the summer focus. Being a, a resource church. Planting new churches. Doing a new mission activity at Holy Trinity School. And planting into housing estates. And being asked by others to partner with them in, in things to do with youth ministry. But it, all of those things which I find, and I hope you do, so exciting. Depend on a willingness that in our weakness, we will look to God and let him be, us to be strong. Where does it start? It starts with prayer. I'm going to ask the team, if you haven't got one of these on you now, we gave out some last week, to quickly give those out, please. If the team could just give these out. This is how we're going to land today. Great. So, this is where we're going to land. God says the new things that He's about, His coming kingdom, are greater even than the most powerful things that you've seen Him do already. God says that there is no power on earth or in heaven greater than him. There is nothing in this season that any of us can be facing that is a surprise to God and is beyond God's power to give us the strength to navigate. God is promising us healing. He's promising us water for our souls. That healing can sometimes be as for Carol in heaven. That healing, though, can also be here on earth. But when Isaiah was writing Isaiah 43 and encouraging them not to fear, the chapter ends with him challenging them. Verse 20 Sorry, not 20, 22. You have not called upon me, O Jacob. You have not wearied yourselves for me, O Israel. You have not brought my, me sheep for burnt offerings, nor honoured me with your sacrifices. I have not burdened you, says God, with grain offerings, nor wearied you with demands for incense. But you have not bought any fragrant calamus for me or lavished on me the fat of your sacrifices. But you have burdened me with your sins and wearied me with your offences. God wanted them to see the new things. He wanted them to see the way open up for them through the wasteland, through the desert. 
But he says, are you going to be humbly on your knees? Are you going to bring yourself to me? You know, are you weary of prayer? Are you, are you not fully wanting to know my presence? Are you not praising me? Praise means to give the all of us to the all of God. David's told you that we've got a prayer week. Please do not get hung up at this point on whether or not you can actually fit in with the structure of our prayer week. God really is not dependent on how many people turn up on Tuesday night or Wednesday night. But my question is, did it make any difference to you to know that this week will be prayer week? I know that's a hard question. I really do. Because if we, for a moment, might think, well, I'm glad to know that some other people will be praying. Then do you get my point? I don't have to say more, do I? I say it to myself. It's probably more easy for the lead pastor of this church to go through the motions. It's probably easier for me to go through the motions than almost anyone else. God is desperate to bless us. But will we come to him? Will we come to him and praise him with our lives? Will we give to him of all that we have, all that we are, and let him, let him write the present and the future? in our lives. So why don't you just take a moment to look at the headings on that card. We're inviting you to fill in your own prompts. Uh, Something you might like to think of as a pattern is to choose uh, a a time on the clock when you can pray at least twice each day. So you might want to do 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., or 12 and 12, or whatever suits your pattern. But we're certainly calling our church to prayer. There are those two gatherings, the Tuesday night and the Thursday night this week. But I just want to leave us a moment just reflecting. What does this mean for me personally, God? This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. 
Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the desert and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. Let's just let the Holy Spirit speak to each one of us. you're able to, would you like to stand? We, uh, we are going to come into to land pretty, pretty quickly in terms of our, our formal time together. Um, in, in, in some ways, I've been keener to try and put the emphasis on all of us responding in some way and I, I really feel the Lord you know the Lord wants to speak into into every one of our lives um, please forgive me if it ever sounds like I think I know what you're going through if it ever sounds like I you know have an easy answer for your circumstances and I realize in a room like this there are some incredibly challenging incredibly challenging circumstances that I can't for a moment to pretend, you know, and I apologise if it could ever sound like we've got a pat answer, an easy answer. But I do know that, I know my God loves us. I know my God has the power. I know my God can make a way where it doesn't appear to be a way. So I'm just going to humbly pray for God's blessing on us and then the band are going to lead in a, a song of worship and we'll, that will be the formal end of our time together. There will be ministry at the front, but I'm, I'm not wanting to put the emphasis at, in this exact moment on those coming forward. There's an opportunity to come forward for prayer. 
If, if you know God is speaking to you directly about something to, to do with forgetting the past or seeing the future, whatever, any of the things. If, if you know that your life is being ruled by fear and defined by fear, then those might be specific things to come and pray for. If you have a sense that God's putting something on your heart to be a mission leader in this church family and you want to step out in some way, that might be another thing to respond to. But in this moment, I'm just going to pray for God's blessing on every one of us. And then as I say, we'll finish with a song of worship. Some of us will go and get children. Some go and get coffee. And some may want to stay and worship or pray at the front. It's going to be a a very loose ending today. So Father God, I simply humbly declare the truth that in our weakness, you are strong. Thank you, God, so much. Thank you, God, that we're not to be defined by the past, even the glories of the past, let alone the failures of the past. Thank you, God, that we're not defined by our sin. You promise that you are the one who receives your people in their transgressions, in their sin, and wipes it away. Thank you that Jesus came and died on the cross. Thank you that all that we are and all that we can be is, is in you. Jesus, you're Lord of this church. Have your way. Have your way in each one of us and us together. Would you release in us true praise? Release in us lives of obedience. Forgive us where we've been weary of prayer or your presence. Give us a hunger. Give us a hunger for you, God. And not just for a week. (laughs) Give us a hunger forever. So may the blessing of God Almighty, who is Father, Son and Holy Spirit, come down now and rest on each one of us. Rest on your church. Fill your church for the name and the glory of Jesus Christ. The peace of the Lord which passes all understanding. Fill your hearts. Have your way, God.